we go. We're talking about being unstuck. And a uh, question for you, uh, how many of you have seen the movie Apollo 13? Great. Uh, how many of you were alive in 1970 when it all happened? Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, uh, the, the, there was a famous conversation that started the whole thing going. And uh, this is, this is the, the few sentences. Now, we are going to uh, be a little interactive today. I'm going to invite Pastor Jonathan to work with me on going back and forth a little bit uh, later. But I'm going to let you do this with me. You be the astronaut. You read the first uh, and third line, and I'll be uh, Houston uh, Mission Control. All right, go ahead. Uh, this is Houston. Say again, please. Roger, main B undervolt. No idea what that means. Uh, but so uh, this, uh, they, there's an interesting process that uh, Mission Control used. A technique. It included the word Roger, and then repeating back the key point of the communication back from uh, the astronauts. We're going to study that process that has that sort of repeating back uh, to people that we're talking to so that they make sure they know that we heard what they said and that, uh, and that we understood it. It is an amazing process that we can use in getting unstuck in conversations, in relationships, uh, and even some of the most challenging things. Now, the, the, the process began with the word Roger uh, in Mission Control. We don't say that. Uh, we're, we're going to say, let me see if I've got it. This is the first point there in your um, notes. Let me see if I got it. It is an incredibly powerful phrase uh, when it's backed up by repeating back uh, what you've heard, especially in challenging situations, especially when there could be tension, especially where there could be misunderstanding or, uh, you know, disagreement or conflict. Uh, let me see if I got it. Uh, for example, I got a phone call from my 91-year-old mom. Uh, she and her 91-year-old best friend had, they wanted to go to Yosemite for, uh, for their birthdays. And so they had just spent 10 hours taking a train from San Fernando Valley to Fresno. And my mom was calling me. Uh, they arrived at 9 o'clock uh, at the Fresno train station. And they, she called and she said, well, we're waiting uh, for the shuttle to take us to Yosemite. It's coming at 9.30. The problem was is that it was 10 o'clock uh, and no shuttle. And so they went back and read the fine print on their you know, Amtrak schedule, and it was, it was going to be there at 9.30 a.m. the next day. And I'm like, exactly. I'm like, oh, oh. Now, uh, a lot of things could, were going through my head at that moment. A lot of things I could have said to her. Here, here they are two 91-year-old women with luggage at an abandoned train station in Fresno at 10 o'clock. There's no Uber, you know, that's, this is years ago. And uh, uh, luckily, at least she had her cell phone. She did have credit cards, you know, so it wasn't a totally tragic situation. But uh, I could have come up with all kinds of things to say, especially since I'd coached her and, and encouraged her not to do this whole thing as a 91-year-old. 
But, you know, I could have, I could have freaked out. I could have said, Why, how did you make such a mistake? How did you not read the fine print? What are we going to do? Don't, don't do anything. I'm going to call the police. No, uh, a cab. I'm going to call a cab. No, I would just call the local Marriott and see if they have a shuttle that can come and get you. Um, I, luckily, I, the, I didn't say any of those things because I'm sure none of them would have been helpful to her. Uh, but what I did say was this incredibly powerful phrase that we can use when we are in these challenging situations. Uh, I said, let me see if I got it. Uh, and then I repeated back to her what I had heard. I said, well, mom, let me see if I got it. You and your 91-year-old best friend are standing at the Fresno train station uh, in the dark at 10 o'clock at night. You have nowhere to be until 9.30 tomorrow morning and no idea how to get anywhere. And there's no one around to ask. And uh, did I get it? And she said, well, not exactly. There's a young woman here, and uh, we're going to go talk to her. And she hung up. <laughs> okay. So... Um, uh, I, I learned later that they did go talk to the girl. She, uh, a young woman, she was 22 years old, backpack, jeans, T-shirt, and when they got to talking to her, she said she was heading for Yosemite uh, to get a part-time job for the summer, and she was waiting for her transportation. And my mom, being the enthusiastic person she was, she said, well, can we get a ride with you? Um, so about that time, her transportation pulled up. It was a young man, her age, in a two-seater open Jeep, <laughs> grabs her backpack and says, hop in. Now, here's the thing. If he had said to the woman, you drive, it would have looked exactly like this. And she hopped in and she said, hey, do we have room for my two new friends? And my mom and her friend at 91 years old climbed in the back of that Jeep and rode the 60 miles to Yosemite. And uh, wow. Um, and they loved every minute of it. That's how they were. And they had figured it out. And uh, they wouldn't have changed a thing about it. And... Uh, to think I could have ruined it, right? By coming down on her, by, uh, I could have turned her rush of adventure into the crush of disappointment as I shamed her or said, how could you have done this? What are you going to do? Uh, thank goodness I said none of those things, but I simply listened to her and I simply said, let me see if I got it and repeated back to her what she had said and she clearly understood that I had understood her so that I didn't turn out to be the worst part of her story, but I was an innocent bystander at the adventure of a lifetime for my mom. And they did make it, and they had a great time. And um, so as we continue on our series on being unstuck, we're going to walk through a process that we can use when we are in critical situations, when, when maybe our emotions would get the best of us, when maybe we couldn't maybe necessarily say exactly the best thing we can use this, this technique to honor and respect the other person, to truly listen, and to get ourselves unstuck from situations where feelings might be hurt, trust might be broken, uh, if we weren't truly able to listen 
And uh, you know you know what kind of conversations I'm talking about, right? It's the touchy ones, the difficult ones, uh, you know, in these kinds of situations. Having a, a, the ability to use a little process, well, it could change everything. It could make a difference in our relationships with people we love, in the community. I, I dare say in the world, nations would be better off if they knew how to talk to each other. And uh, I think it could have helped people in the Bible, too. There's a great story of conflict in the Bible. Two men who uh, went at it and broke up because of it. Uh, so we're going to take a look at that. It's uh, Paul and um, uh, Barnabas. So the story is Paul, who was Saul when he got started. He changed names from Saul to Paul. But when he was Saul, he was a, a persecutor of Christians. And he set out from Jerusalem uh, with warrants to arrest Christians, warrants from the uh, Jewish temple and the Jewish guard and all of that in Jerusalem to go and get Christians and bring them back and imprison them. And through a set of miraculous experiences, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He was so excited, he went back to Jerusalem to find the disciples who were there who you can imagine were not overly enthusiastic at meeting this fellow because when last they knew, he was a bounty hunter, you know, with their names on his list. But uh, Barnabas stood up for him. Barnabas said, no, 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 I've heard about him and he's had this amazing experience. We need to welcome him. And so they did because of Barnabas. And then they... Uh, they started talking and working, and the, the church in Jerusalem wanted to send them out uh, on a mission trip, and they thought that was a great idea. And Barnabas, because he's such an encourager uh, to, to Paul and also to his cousin, John Mark, younger man, he said, I want to take John Mark with us. And uh, so that's how it all starts. We read about that little bit in Acts chapter 13. It says, uh, Barnabas and Saul, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John Mark was with them as a helper. Uh, and then later on that trip, John Mark went back to Jerusalem. We don't know why. Maybe it was a summer internship. Maybe he had to get back to Jerusalem University. We don't know. But, you know, at some point, he left the mission trip and went back to Jerusalem. We read that in verse 13. It says, From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John Mark left them to return to Jerusalem. So far, so good. Uh, until Barnabas wants to include John Mark on their next mission trip. And then we find out, oh, Paul's not so enthusiastic about that idea. In Acts 15, it says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Wow. As far as we know, these two men never spoke to one another again, never saw each other again. And uh, it says that they had a sharp disagreement and split. 
So, you know, we can't sugarcoat this. This is conflict. These are two Christian leaders who couldn't, you know, restore their relationship, couldn't work it out, split up. It was a bad break. And um, I just wonder, could, could those hard feelings have been uh, avoided uh, if they had had been able to listen better to each other, to understand and respect the other person's uh, position, even if they didn't agree with it, at least hear one another. So one thing I know in our relationships, in our conversations with each other, we don't like uh, to, well, I could ask for a show of hands, I won't, but uh, you know, to, when we're in a conversation and the person listening wants to fix whatever it is that we're talking about, you know, they interrupt and they say, hey, let me, you know what, all you have to do is this. When we didn't really want them to fix it, we just wanted them to listen, right? And then there's another favorite pastime, maybe often in small groups, by the way, in our growth groups, but even in conversations, one-upping. So we say, oh my gosh, uh, you know, my mom was in an accident. Oh, you think that's bad? My mom, father, brother, sister was in a bus accident, and they, it's like, thought we were talking about me. So, so one-upping and fixing, uh, you know, fixing the problems, uh, we, none of us like that. And so wouldn't it be good to have a process that would work uh, so that we don't do that? So uh, let me give you an example. I've invited Jonathan to participate with me, and um, uh, so... Uh, Let's, let's just try this. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? How, how's your day? Hey, Neil. Uh, not so good. I, I got a notification on, uh, by email that one of my bills uh, for any of my, my credit cards, uh, it, it wasn't paid, and so they put a fee on my, my bills. Oh, so man, I hate that. But you know what? Look, all you have to do is call them. I've done it. If you call them, they'll, they, oftentimes they will just take that off. Yeah, yeah I've, I already called them. Oh. Got it taken care of, and so that's fine. Um, but now it seems like I got another notification today saying that another bill wasn't paid. So now I'm beginning to think that when I sent out those those bills, for maybe the it got lost in the mail or something. Oh. That whole <laughs> oh. dispatch. <laughs> you won't believe. You think you think you lost mail? I was at Christmas. I lost my in-laws' mail, and at the Christmas dinner. Oh my gosh! They're like, "Hey, how why'd you take us off of your Christmas list?" And then, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's amazing. You know, another time I was... Uh, yeah, I don't think you really wanted to know how I was doing. <laughs> right? I mean, you can feel it. How, I mean, how much respect did he feel? How much did he... Right? I mean, even, even trying to have a good conversation can take it south fast if instead of listening... We do what I did. So you see, I, I tried to fix the credit card, which he didn't need fixing. Tried to one-up him on, uh, I didn't try to, I just naturally, you know, it just happens to us that we do that. Um, so uh, wouldn't it be nice to have this simple process uh, that we could use so that we made sure that we could hear the other person uh, and be heard by them? I think it'd be a good thing. So uh, let me see if I got it. Is that kind of a process? We say that, and then we repeat back to the person what we heard, you know, a summary of it. Uh, and it provides us as listeners with concrete tasks. Some of us 
you know, when we're listening, we're trying to figure out, what, what, why am I hearing this? What am I supposed to fix? Well, you're not supposed to fix anything. You're just supposed to listen, but you do have a job to do. Your job is to listen well enough that you could repeat back uh, after they've said it. Uh, and uh, by doing this, uh, we clearly get a sense that the other person is listening to us. So, uh, Jonathan? A second ago, like I was t telling you about my credit card situation, and it really just felt like you were trying to one-up me or fix my problem, and I really didn't need that. Oh. Wow. Let me see if I got it. So when just right now, when we were talking, it, uh, you, you were talking about your credit card problem, and I interrupted and tried to fix it. Exactly. Yeah. And it just it felt disrespectful. So now what? <laughs> right? There must be more. <laughs> right? But you're with us, right? You're like, oh, now what are we supposed to do? So, of course, you could jump into an apology, or what we are much better at is an excuse, right? We're able to, ah, oh, well, you're too sensitive. So, um, <laughs> so there's a process that we'll, we'll continue with. Um, and so once, once the listener uh, listens and repeats back, then they do the second thing, and that is they say, did I get it? This is huge. This is a breakthrough in human interaction. Because normally what we do, once we've made clear that we heard, is that we offer our opinion. We say, okay, well now, here we go. This is, you know, here's something to talk about. Instead, we offer even more respect because we say, did I get it? And they have a chance to interact and say, well, yes or no. Uh, if I didn't get it right, well, would you say it again so I make sure I get it right? And then they say it again. And then let's see if you're listening. When they do that, I say to them, let me see if I got it. And I repeat it back again. And then I say, did I get it? And they say, yes. Okay, next awesome step is to say, is there more? Wow, uh, that's huge. Because now I, I'm genuinely engaged with them in that conversation. Is there more? And they say, and then I say, let me see if I got that. And uh, when I did, uh, I, I, did I get it? Yes. Is there more? Well, we could just keep going. Uh, but eventually the person says, no, that's it, that's, that's it, uh, that's all of it. And then we say, let me see if I got it all. And now I repeat back everything they said. Uh, summarize, right? Um, and uh, it's an amazing final, final part because by repeating everything, the listener truly feels heard, feels like, uh, like, wow, this person is actually interested in me and they've, they've genuinely heard me. Um, let me be clear, this doesn't mean we agree. See, one of the things we think is, well, I gotta jump in and tell them why they're wrong. No, we can completely disagree with everything they're saying and still listen to them and respect them uh, if what we're going to do is repeat back to them. Uh, 
and it definitely helps us get unstuck, but it also helps us do something else. It helps us to do what the Bible tells us we need to do. In Romans chapter 12, we hear this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be conceited. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, we read verses like that all the time. Sometimes we memorize them. Do we know how to do it? Do we do it? I mean, it's hard. And we need some help. We need practice. And doing this step, this process, helps us actually accomplish that so that we... uh, As far as it depends on us, we live at peace with everyone else and in harmony, and we're not conceited. We're humble. It helps us by all of that. I'll bet for Mother's Day, there are plenty of moms who would love to be listened to, to be heard, to be respected for what you believe and think. So we're going to practice this whole thing by going back to Paul and Barnabas. We're going to pick a conflicted, challenging conversation and see if we could do it, uh, make it better. They have a falling out over Barnabas's cousin, John Mark. So listen again uh, to it. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, also called Mark with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. So Jonathan and I are going to walk through this one now, and Jonathan's going to be Paul. We're all going to be Barnabas. We're going to try this. Now you try it silently, uh, and I'll... And I'll do it up here, but you follow along. At some point, we're going to say, let me see if I got it. Did I get it? Is there more? Did I get it all? Uh, all those kinds of things. Um, and and uh, we'll see how we do. So, uh, hey, wow, Paul, I think it's a great idea uh, that we... Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that we go uh, on this trip. And uh, I... I think we had a great trip last time, and I think we ought to take John Mark with us. Uh, I'm not, no, I'm not feeling it. Really? Well, say, tell me yeah, about last, that. I mean, last time we were on that mission, we were doing great work, and, and right, right in the middle of it, he bailed on us. He, he just let us go. Huh. He, he went, went back to Jerusalem. We, no. Uh, well, let, me, let me see if I got it. Uh, you don't want John Mark to go. Um, and the reason is, is that the last time we went, he, in the middle of the whole thing, bailed on us and just left and headed back for Jerusalem. Did I get it? Um, kind of. Is there, is there more? Yeah. Oh. Uh, he he well, bailed on us, and I can't trust him. And I don't want to go on another trip with him and, and then just be dealing with a personality that I can't trust. Huh. Wow. Well, let me see if I got that. Um, so in addition to him just bailing, it made you feel like you can't trust him and you don't want to go on a trip where somebody, you know, he doesn't have your back and you're worried all the time. My words. Did I get it? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Is there more? No. Well, let me see if I got it all. So you don't want John Mark to go. No. Uh, And the reason is, is because the last time he went with us, he bailed on us, headed back to Jerusalem and made you say, I can't trust this guy, and I want people on the 
rode with us that I can trust. Did I get it? Yeah, yeah, you did. Well, thanks. Um, would, would it be all right if I shared my perspective on it? Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so I didn't see him as, as bailing on us. I, I felt like we had a long trip that we were planning, and I don't think he realized how long it was going to be. And so at some point, he needed to go back to Jerusalem. I didn't, I didn't take it as bailing or as negative. Okay, let me see if I got it. You, you didn't see it as negative. You just thought that it was like a, he didn't have the whole trip on his schedule, and so he just had to get back to some responsibilities or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did I get it all? No, there's a little more, actually. Okay. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, he's my cousin. I, I know his mom. I mean, they, I feel like this family thing, I got I to gotta take him with us, and I'm mentoring the kid and all of that. Okay, so let, let me see if I got it. Um, you don't feel like he bailed on us because it, he was just had to get back to Jerusalem, and you want him to go on the next trip because he's family. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything more? No, that's it. So, well, I appreciate the conversation because it feels like, I mean, if there's nothing that we can do to get you to trust him, and there's nothing I can do to make him not be my cousin. Um, I don't know. Is there anybody else around? That I could go with Silas and go that way. Yeah, and I could take John Mark and go that way. Uh, well, you do you, and I'll give you a call. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So um, here's what I wanted you to see. I, I, neither of us could compromise our positions, but we don't have to hate each other. We don't have to break up and never talk to each other again. We could still, we, we like each other. We could still respect each other um, and yet maintain uh, our differences or perhaps having heard some of that, maybe we could work something out. Well, maybe we could postpone our trip for a little bit or maybe we could get John Mark in here and talk to him about it or any number of things that could be done because we'd listen to each other. Um, and in fact, all of those examples of things we could do are a demonstration of what Jesus actually commands us to do. You know, so often we, we, we live our lives, we got a Christian kind of, you know, sense what we ought to, we should, you know, what would Jesus do? Uh, but do we actually live into the command of Jesus? He only has one. There's only one command. It's in John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I, I don't think we know how important that is, especially back then, but especially now. Back then, the, the religious followers of God had over 600 commands that they were supposed to follow. That's a lot to memorize, but they, they narrowed it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, too. Jesus came along and he said, a new command I have for you, not a third. This wasn't, okay, love God, love your neighbor, and love one another. There's not three, there's one. Love one another. 
So did he get rid of the first one so we don't have to love God? No, his point is you can't love God and not love one another. If you love one another, it's because you love God. God, why? Because God loves the other. God so loved the world that he gave his son for that other person. So how can we be neutral towards them? Or worse, when God loves them. It's God's child. It's like God saying, hey, if you're, as long as you're not kind and loving to my child, we're not good. We're not going to be good just because you apologize or because you sing songs. You need to be good to them, to my children. So we need to practice it. So what do we do? Well, that's a huge, that's a life-changing story. Yes, it is. But one thing we can do, I mean, it's low-hanging fruit, folks. Listen. <laughs> and in this world, in our society, wow, what a thing to listen to another person, to hear them and respect them and not challenge or disagree or fight them just because they don't agree with our positions. Listen. Um, I'm going to encourage you to practice this. Three times this week, I want you to um, practice, let me see if I got it. If you hear it, uh, you'll forget 80% of what you hear today. If you try it, you'll remember 50%. If you try it three times, you'll have it down cold. So try it on an easy one, first of all. Now, if you try it with somebody who's been in the service, they'll all laugh. You'll all laugh. Let me see if I got it. Oh, that's good. I remember that. Um, and that's fine because, you know, humor helps. But try it on an easy one. Hey, where would you like to go uh, for lunch? Uh, well, I like the habit. Oh, well, let me see if I got it. Uh, you'd like to go to the habit. Yeah. Uh, did I get it? Yeah, that's it. I'd like to go to the habit. Is there more? Well, yeah, Cold Stone's right next door. <laughs> Let me see if I got it all. Woo! Habit and Cold Stone. You know, go with something easy. But then you could try it, because can anybody imagine a challenging conversation in your life where this would help? Yeah. I have used this many times, and it has made a huge difference. Well, I want to finish up with not a a video of, a, of people saying, let me see if I got it, but, but to the core of it, to the, to the element that says, I respect you, I value you. And so they asked a number of people to write down on a piece of paper the name of someone that they truly valued, that they truly respected, and then to just write a paragraph or so about why. What, what was it about that person that meant so much to them? And, when they, and they thought that was the end of the experiment. And then when they got done writing, they handed them a phone. And they said, now call them and read them your note. So this is what happened. Can you see the power of expressing genuine respect and appreciation and kindness and love for another? Do you know someone who needs to hear that from you? Do you know someone who needs you to listen to them. 